You are welcome to another exciting episode of CADA Matters. CADA Matters is an awareness-raising program of CADA. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse, a UK-based charity working to prevent and end domestic abuse, especially in Christian homes. Listen to this episode with Gracilis so as to build healthy relationships and keep your home and relationships abuse-free. Good evening, good evening. It's another Thursday evening and we are super excited again today because we have another good guest, another guest we know that you would be delighted to have. This evening we are going to be discussing healing from the trauma of abuse and we are doing that with a chartered clinical psychologist who is Dr. Abigail Tyro. She has been ready for this while and she's going to be joining us soon. Usually on time. I like on time people. She's going to be joining us. I've invited her now and we do hope to see her soon. A big thank you to everyone who has been commenting. A big thank you to people who have been encouraging us who have been saying that that they have been learning a lot from the program. It's good to know that people are excited that you're able to join us today. Perhaps you're joining us later on. You know, there are several people who will go later on to see what we're doing. And very soon, Dr. Abigail Tyro would be joining us. We are just watching her connection come live. We were here a few minutes ago. Her connection came live and everything was okay. So hopefully it's going to come up now again. Dr. Tyro, can you hear me? It's still showing that her connection is coming up. So last week, well, sort of lost her. I'm going to try that again. Thank you, everyone. I don't know why we lost her, but I'm going to try that again. Going to try that again. We're just inviting her again to make sure that she's able to get in. Oh, good, she's here. Good evening, ma. Good evening. Hello. Thank you so much. We don't know what was happening initially. You are welcome again. I was just telling people that you're going to join us and we were sure our connection was working. Good evening, everyone, again. Thank you. I hope you have had a beautiful week so far. It's a Thursday evening and it's time for Kada Matters, a program which is an initiative of Kada. Kada means Church Against Domestic Abuse. On this program, we discuss matters that have to do with domestic abuse. We have been bringing several professionals. I mean, if you've been following us, and um, if you've not been following us, you could follow us today and check out our all the things we've done all this while on Instagram. You could check us out on uh, IGTV. Thank you for those who are just joining. I've seen that somebody else has just joined. You are welcome. I think it's Penpo joined just now. Welcome. We have Dr. Abigail Tyro with us. Without further ado, I would, add, I would just like her to introduce herself to us. So people want to know who is speaking, what authority do they have. They would like to know more about you, Dr. Abigail Tyro, please. Could you introduce yourself? Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, um, Kada. And thank you, viewers. Um, um, my name is Abigail Tywo, and um, I'm a lecturer at the University of Wolverhampton. Um, uh, my area is, I'm a clinical psychologist and um, 
I do research relating to domestic violence and uh, research into women matters, as well as various other issues relating to clinical health. So that's a brief about me. Okay. Thank you very much. As viewers, you can all see and listen. She is quite concerned when it comes to women health. She's quite concerned when it comes to domestic abuse. And so we've got the right person on the hot seat today. She's a clinical psychologist, which means we can tell her all our problems and she'll figure a way out for us. That's why we brought her here today to talk to us about healing from the trauma of abuse. But before we go any further, um, I'd like you to clarify, uh, Dr. Taiwo, to us, what exactly is trauma? When we say trauma, what do we mean? I mean, as a clinical psychologist, what does trauma mean? Trauma is a very complex word and quite broad. And um, people can, you know, use it in different ways. People can experience something and said, oh, that was traumatic. But um, the word trauma um, could, could have physical trauma, uh, which is defined as a body wound produced by a sudden physical injury from impact violence or accident. So that could uh, result in physical trauma. So, but um, most times when people use trauma, they often refer to emotional or psychological trauma. And um, some researchers have defined um, psychological trauma. And um, I'm using a definition of Pillman and um, Zach Vinn. Um, who defined uh, uh, psychological trauma as the unique individual experience of an event or enduring conditions in which the individual's ability to integrate his or her emotional experience is overwhelmed or the person experiences in a subjective way a threat to life, bodily integrity, or sanity. And the reason why I like that um, definition is because it talks about significant things that you see when people experience trauma. So in terms of, and, and these are subjective, uh, somebody can feel that their life is in danger and people around them may not see anything that would explain that the life is in danger, but then they subjectively experience threats to life. Yeah. And then bodily integrity. That's, um, we all know that um, everybody has, I mean, we all want body integrity. That is inviolability of our uh, physical body. But somebody who is experiencing psychological trauma can have this eroded in such a way that uh, the person's personal autonomy self-ownership, self-determination are eroded. So, so that's why we talk about how it impacts on bodily integrity. And when we talk about sanity, sanity is the ability to be able to think and behave in a normal and rational way. But, um, you know, but somebody who is traumatized or who experienced trauma um, may feel that their, their sanity is, um, is in question. So these are various ways by which we could define trauma. 
Thank you very much. Uh, welcome, uh, someone has just joined. I've waved you. I like what you said. I see when it comes to trauma, it's sort of like individualized. You've talked about, um, you know, trauma, looking at it from um, bodily integrity, sanity, and, you know, there could be threats to life. You know, so if we go further now, having defined trauma, what are the things that can cause trauma? And when we're looking at trauma, is the trauma of how different, you know, is the trauma of domestic abuse from other trauma or where do we fit trauma when it comes to domestic abuse um trauma can be caused by you know different life events so mainly it's about life events and uh, okay. we have different life events that we experience every day uh, of our lives but um uh, there are certain events that are unpleasant to us that we feel they're negative and you know such events can cause trauma so trauma also has grades there are mild trauma there are moderate trauma and there are complex trauma so well, you know when it's mild it, it may be that um, these individuals maybe they've experienced some uh, slight bullying I mean, well, I'm not, when I say slight, I don't mean that something significant. It is very significant. Every traumatic experiences are very significant. I mean, it's very significant. But, um, uh, you know, the gradients at of which people have this experience uh, matters also. And um, so variety of things could cause trauma. And abuse is one of the things that could lead to trauma. Um, more importantly, um, when people have experienced something that is called adverse childhood experience, ASIS, adverse childhood experiences relating in terms of trauma, uh, I mean, abuse, where people are abused as a child or neglected, this could have enduring, you know, lifespan developmental impact on such individuals and that's why it's not something that one can just you know throw away so sometimes people experience some adverse childhood experiences and in 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 africa for example you know uh, people who experience that they may say oh uh, maybe when they're training their children they will say my parents did this for me and therefore I must do that for you and things like that because they don't count it, they don't regard it and they've come to a point where it looks like violence is accepted. Mm -hmm. So so when when people experience adverse childhood ex, you know, experiences like that and uh, it has become something that is prolonged, then they come around to feel that the situation is normal. And so it, it would be carried on in a way, whether they're conscious of it or doing it out of non-consciousness, out of awareness. They're not aware that they are being violent and things like that. So these are some of the things that could cause it. But domestic abuse, you know, uh, is in varied ways. Like we said, adverse childhood experience is part of domestic abuse. Um, it could be wife battering or husband battering or you know different other things, spousal um, issues 
that could also be an abuse situation. These various situations could cause abuse, I mean, could cause um, trauma. And, and this trauma, is it different when, it, when we're looking at an abusive situation trauma? Would it be different from like the normal trauma or the trauma you've talked about? Or is there, I'm just trying to find out, is there sort of, but I think I'm getting the answer to my question, considering the fact that you said when it comes to trauma, trauma can actually be subjective. And so um, what one person might see perhaps as trauma might not be traumatic to the other person, if, if I'm correct from what you said. Yeah, you know, there are certain things that, you know, we, nobody likes unpleasantness, situations yeah. that are unpleasant. So our body will always react to unpleasant situations because mm -hmm. our body system has a way of reacting to something that comes that come across as stressful, as, yeah. you know, overwhelming so normally we will cope with situations but when our body system find it overwhelming it's because there are certain things that goes on even in our body when we experience unpleasant situations and um, you know uh, in lay persons who will say there are some chemical substances that goes on in our brain you know when we experience unpleasant situation that we think is overwhelming that, that, that we feel that we don't have enough capacity to deal with it at that time. And yet we cannot move away from it. So in such situations, um, our body system, which would generate a situation we call flight, I mean fight. So when, when we are mobilized to fight, then we try to fight. And if our system, you know, feel that we cannot Fight, yeah. we flee. So that's the flight. So the system in our body is normally created that way. So, okay. but then, if we cannot fight or fly or, 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 or flee, then we freeze. Okay. So when we freeze, um, we, we just go on with it. This could generate so many discomfort and so many. Uh, situations in our system, so uh, uh, including even some physical symptoms. Okay. So okay. whereby maybe we can start experiencing pains in our body. Yeah. Um, I've worked within pain management uh, clinic before, and when you listen to stories, then you realize that people have undergone certain things in their lives in the past, and the doctors will not be able to find, you know, why. The, the pain is there, yet experience significant pain. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that means that sometimes even abuse could, significant abuse could actually show up in, as show up as pain. pain. Yeah, show up as pain. So what, what are the other various effects of um, trauma, especially when it comes to abuse? Okay, so, um, like I mentioned that uh, trauma relates with brain chemistry and uh, and the brain chemistry can be altered as a result of trauma. So okay. which means it could impact thinking, for example. Okay. Um, many things goes on you know, in our brain and it could affect the prefrontal lobe. Prefrontal lobe is the place where we do our reasoning and our thinking. And when that happens, 
people can start experiencing, uh, you know, uh, forgetfulness of faith, and then uh, um, they can uh, it may it may also impact the the their affect, you know, and assimilation of memories, core sense of self could be impacted and altered as a result of all these stages. So these various things could happen, and uh, sometimes people will react by engaging in fear and this fear when i say fear it's not just ordinary fear ordinary fear will be that something that we see that makes us fearful but there is nothing and this individual is filled with high level of you know anxiety and um and the feeling of unsafe and um, helplessness which could also Relating to people developing depression, sense of horror, you know, where you feel that maybe something dreadful is about to happen, and and that could be a symptom of post-traumatic, you know, stress disorder and all that. So you know, I mentioned the issue of freeze before. So when people have freeze condition, different forms of um, psychological problems like this could occur. Oh. Uh, you've said to us that um, when trauma occurs, usually what happens is we're either looking at a, a flight, a fright, or a freeze system. Uh, I know that um, people react differently when it comes to trauma. And I know that in your work and in your field of work, you, you've, you've seen several people and you've seen several different reactions to trauma. Do you want to just throw more light? You know, because someone listening now or somebody will listen later so people might be trying to identify themselves in this situation, identify, okay, am I, am I reacting right? Am I even doing the right thing? What I'm feeling, because sometimes people tell us when they listen, they're able to, because they've gained knowledge, they're able to understand what's happening. So what are the different ways people react to trauma that you have encountered as a clinician? Yes, okay, so different ways people react to trauma. People can react to trauma um, as um, in a way that you know they're distressed. Sometimes they they, they they will say that they feel numb, numb in the sense that they just you know like freeze. Lacking of all feelings, yeah. Yes, and then some may feel detached. Some people could ex you know could exhibit you know this um, what we call dissociation. Dissociation. You know. I want to dissociate your place. <laughs> so, so you know, the dissociation there, you know, will imply that um, they're just kind of detached from what goes on around them and and they move they just move quickly from one thing to another and all that. You know, and then some people could experience hypervigilance, you know, every time constantly thinking that something dreadful is about to happen. And so they're very vigilant, you know, hyper-vigilant. And some could manifest amnesia in terms of forgetting, increased arousal, you know, where, where the individual is constantly in an aroused condition. And then lack of self-regulation, you know, uh, inability to self-regulate. Maybe the person is extremely angry, 
you know, just yeah. little things triggers such individuals, but but they may not really know that it's because of the trauma that they've experienced that is uh, leading to that. And some others could um, engage in some behavior that could offer short-term relief at the expense of longer-term health. For example, some people could engage in smoking, you know, harmful alcohol consumption, poor diets, and some could engage in early sexual activity. Okay. You know, just just because they're looking for something to just you know um, give that short term relief. Wow, those are different ways that people can actually react to trauma. And uh, I know you mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, tonight, I know we're looking at healing from the trauma of abuse. A lot of people, you know, they they they, they recognize that what, what they've been through is traumatic. They recognize that what they've been through is not what other people have been through. And if they, if they even start to share a little bit of what they've been through, people look at it with horror. How can someone, you know, um, how can someone, how will I even put it, how can someone then who someone listening to us now will be as it were will be seeking healing and i know that you've also said um, one of the effects or one of the different ways that people react is like having amnesia trying not to remember having dissociation you know being detached and just acting like it never happened which i believe is never 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 the way that one is to affirm and say, okay, this is what has happened. So I'll just look at healing itself. When it comes to healing, what exactly is healing? And why is it necessary for healing to take place? Because we're looking at the trauma of abuse. There are a lot of people who have been abused and they're trying to struggle their way through. Some of them, the abuse has stopped. Some of the, them, the abuse was in the past. Some of them, the abuse is still ongoing. But people want to know, how do I heal from abuse? Why is it necessary for healing to take place? What exactly is healing? Does healing mean I totally forget? What exactly is healing? And why is it necessary for healing to take place? Okay, so I think one of the things, for example, that I noticed in the church, because I go to church, so one of the things I've noticed in the church is, you know, maybe the advice given that. You know, people who have experienced trauma, the advice given, you know, maybe that they oh, don't think about it or they can't even talk about their trauma. You know, we have some people that their trauma is from sexual abuse, you know, maybe childhood sexual abuse that they've never told anyone. Yeah. But is there in their lives and is impacting on them. So, and, and there's that hurt, there's that feeling going on. But, um, you know, the, the, you know, sometimes when there are some exhibition of some behavior, maybe because people do not have that knowledge, then they create more problem for such individuals. So how could healing take place? So, so because I've had, you know, some clients who have been in church, and who have, exp who have had trauma, and it has come across as if their environment has exacerbated some of their problems rather than providing the succor and then you know what they need. So healing implies that the traumatic event experienced are processed, 
in a safe and containing environment that okay. would then now help them and promote development. And where people are already, you know, some people experience the feeling of being stuck. They constantly feel stuck. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, so it's about helping the individual to unstuck, so okay. they can move forward in the areas of their life. So this is what we call healing, you know. So healing implies that the individual is able to talk about that trauma without mm -hmm. experiencing the same level of uh, problems, you know, pains that they used to experience in the past. That's what healing means. It, 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 it implies being able to integrate or process the trauma to a point of acceptance that the trauma happened. Not that um, we're saying it's okay to happen. Yeah. But helping the individual to a point to accept that this thing has happened and that the trauma no longer triggers that powerful, disturbing emotions, you know. So yeah. rather, the experience becomes a part of their life stories. Mm. Mm. So this is healing. That, that's quite deep. That's really, really deep, uh, what you've just said. Um, that healing actually when when individuals are healing is the ability for them to unstop is also ability for them to be able to experience the to be able to talk about the trauma without experiencing the level of pain you know that it will have produced or for them to be able to experience you know all of that whole thing but for the individual to be able to accept that what has happened has happened and this is part of their life events um, mm -hmm. that's really really very deep and I think it's something we just need to re-echo to people as if you're watching out have you healed is healing occurring is this still this amount of tra this traumatic experience when it comes up to you what exactly happens do you still mm. feel that same level of pain and anxiety like you've not moved on okay doctor abigail please i'll leave you to continue you're also saying why is it necessary for healing to take place it is important for healing to take place um so that one will not be experiencing those you know those things that we've talked about over yeah. and over again yeah. and you know experiencing those things would lead to so many even you know we are talking a mind body relationship yeah mind and body relationship it could impact on our body you know bodily integrity it could impact on so many areas of our life. So we cannot leave trauma unprocessed. It, it, it always has a way of impacting things. It has a way of impacting families. It has a way of impacting relationships. It has a way of, you know, uh, impacting so many things. But many times people just behave, but they don't really know where this behavior is coming from. And just in case you're wondering what I'm doing, I am typing and taking notes. I'm here also to learn. So I'm taking notes as she's talking. I'm, I'm taking my notes. I'm learning new things and I'm putting down new things because I'm taking notes. Uh, Dr. Abigail, we're just going to quickly watch. So what to find out? I know healing. I mean, we talked about healing and the necessity of healing. Then what, what, why, why then do people not heal? What are the barriers to healing? I know you've mentioned one about, you know, especially when it comes to the church, 
we saw updones encourage healing because of different things that happened and i'm sure you're going to be able to throw more light on it what are the barriers to healing that you have encountered as and in your profession as you dealt yes. with patients so so one of the barriers to healing i'm sorry to say will be maybe cultural beliefs you know there are certain cultural beliefs that 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 passes this um message of you know uh, don't seek help okay yeah yeah be strong don't seek help be strong okay you know, so when when that kind of thing happens so that, that that's a barrier to healing and then another thing is delaying help seeking Delay helps again. Yeah. So this can lead to escalation of other problems and more problems and more problems. So so many situations that happens around us which we do not understand why it's happening and we're very angry about it and all that. Uh, so so these are things that um, could um, could could be barrier. You know. So, so when so I say culture, you know, I mean. You know, culture implies everything that relates to living together with other people. People, you know, I mean, that's what we're talking about. Our religion, our belief system, our education, uh, even our music, you know, could all be implying, be strong, and don't go on. Someone has just written there, someone has said, I don't think church um, doesn't, um, let me read it properly. It says, I don't think that the church doesn't encourage giving, though. Yeah. Yeah. So so neither do I mean that church doesn't encourage healing too. Yeah. I mean this this program is encouraging healing. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but but um but what I'm saying is that I've had some people who would you know uh, who have dis discussed how the church you know not not when i say church it just means that some people have experienced some negative things yeah. but that doesn't mean that church doesn't encourage healing church do encourage healing church is the place where with people supposed to find support and be a safe place but oftentimes it moves away from that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I, 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 I do agree with what you said. As in, it's just like, if we look back at some of the barriers we've talked about, the culture of not speaking out, you know, the culture of silence, the culture don't of being drunk, the culture of don't seek help, the culture of just pray about it. Sometimes mm -hmm. we have to go beyond praying about it. We have to do something about it. We have to seek help. That's why mm -hmm. God has brought the wisdom of medical doctors. God has brought the wisdom of clinical psychologists. God has brought several of all of this wisdom. And the Bible is a complete book. If we, if we look at it, we'll see, we'll see it actually encouraging us to seek help from those who are able to help us. And, and so, you know, like my pastor always says here in Glasgow, I'm not a... I'm not a total expert for everything. We are all members of one body. We, we all have different things we've been called to do. I can minister to you in the world and minister to you. And there's a certain level to which I've been trained. And when it comes to some other level, I have to point you to some other brethren who would 
you know, minister to you by the area of knowledge. Knowing fully well that all the different professions that we have, you know, the Bible tells us to do it as unto the Lord. So when you come to see a clinical psychologist like Dr. Abigail, just like what um, uh, Sergeant Michelle told us two weeks ago, she says she sees her work as a police officer, as a ministry. She sees herself partnering with God to maintain law and order. So that's what she sees herself doing when she comes to work. And so well, this is just to say we should be encouraged to seek services, you know, that would help us. It doesn't, praying doesn't mean not seeking services. I mean, we send our children to school. Why? Because we want them to acquire knowledge. We should be able to seek this knowledge. Dr. Abigail has told us there are some barriers to healing. She's a clinical psychologist and we want to know. Some people are wondering what's the difference between a psychologist, what we mean by clinical psychologist, what's the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? You know, so what, what does a clinical psychologist do and how can they help? You know, if you suffer from the trauma of abuse, how can they help? What do they expect to find when they go and see a clinical psychologist? How did they get to see you? Thank you. Clinical psychologists have been equipped with the knowledge of psychological science. Mm -hmm. And that's what they use to support and enable people to reduce psychological distress and also to enhance and promote their psychological well-being. So I know that that's, those are some of you know, technical terms, but <laughs> yes, it, <laughs> it just implies that when people are experiencing emotional distress, when they're experiencing you know, uh, all forms of distress, that mm -hmm. their feelings, their thoughts, their behavior, that's what clinical psychologists has been equipped, they have the scientific knowledge that they've been equipped to support people to um, level of high functioning in different areas. So for them to be able to maximize, you know, their, their functioning in life. So that's, that's the equipment of clinical psychologists. So whatever form of situations that people felt that they could not cope with with themselves, okay they can seek help from clinical psychologists. And how and does one get to see a clinical psychologist? Could you just turn up? Is this something your GP refers you to? How do the you? GP, the GP could refer okay. you. Um, you can get them through GP. Many clinical psychologists are in private practice. And how you can know is if you need a clinical psychologist, um, you, it's a protected title in the United Kingdom. All you need to do is to go to Health and Care Profession Council's uh, website and search for clinical psychologists in your area, and their names will come up for you. Those who are registered, their names will come up for you, and then you can contact them through that. There are some charities also where you can find clinical psychologists who can support you you know, with different uh, situations. Um, and um, it's not just clinical psychologists that provide uh, support for people. We also have some counselors. We have counseling psychologists also. I currently teach on counseling psychology course. So, and we do the same kind of work. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so we, we can consult, you know, these various people through this way, you know, uh, so you could go, you could find one through the NHS, you could actually find one through a charity, and you said you could find some private ones to through checking the health and care 
uh, website and check the area. Okay. Dr. Miguel, just in case somebody has listened or is listening or will listen, the person wants to find, check you out in your area. Her name is Dr. Abigail Tyro. Where do you live for them to actually check you out in your area? Okay. Um, if you um, you can find, if you just Google and <laughs> find my name on, on the on the HCPC, uh, as just type Dr. Abigail Ho Taiwo, it will bring out my name for you and the area where I practice. But the moment I um, work at University of Wolverhampton, and okay. and that's where you can find me. Okay, and when you see her, make sure you tell her you found you found out about her from that program, how she's where she was speaking excellently in Kada matters. Dr. Abigail, we've run out of time, but I would just say, could you just tell us in one minute what you have to say to someone listening to you about healing from the trauma of abuse? One minute, if you would like to have your final thoughts before we wrap up the show tonight. Um, I will only say that it is essential to find healing. And... Um, you know, it, it will be important because it helps to unstock one and to make one to be able to maximize one's potentials rather than, you know, short-changing one's potentials in life. And this this trauma, trauma issues has the capability of doing that in different ways. So when things are just, people are just doing things and it's just not at the optimum by which they could be. So I would say, seek help when you need help. And um, the, some trauma, you can easily be able to manage it. Some, they can be so complex that you need to seek help to support you to go through that. And, and I hope that, you know, you will find succor, you will find grace, and you will find help as you continue in life. Thank you so much. It has been very enlightening years. You would agree with me. I have to be typing so that I don't lose the answers. I don't lose what I've learned and what I'm learning. I'm here also to learn when it comes to cardiac matters. I tell you, we bring in different professionals because we don't know it all here. I want to give people the opportunity to listen and learn. And so, for those who have just joined us today, thank you so much for joining us. You have watched CADA Matters. is an awareness-raising program. CADA means Church Against Domestic Abuse. It holds every Thursday at 8 p.m. We bring in a professional to tell us something, to teach us something more. We believe here that the more informed people are, the better decisions they make, and so they are able to respond correctly and biblically to domestic abuse. We believe here also that there's no excuse for abuse. God hates abuse and we as a church, we say no to domestic abuse. Next week, by God's grace, we're going to be here again. And this time around, we're going to be with Lyo um, Roots of Blossom Foundation. We are going to be looking at teen dating violence. We know our children are returning to schools. Some of them are going to university for the first time. Some of them are leaving home for the first time. Some of them are going to schools also for the first time. We need to understand teen dating violence so that we know what we're watching for. We know how to react when this thing happens to our children, what to teach them so that they don't go out and start getting abused. We hope that you will join us next week. We hope also that you have enjoyed today's session. I have learned a lot. I'm really very grateful, Dr. Abigail Taiwo. Thank you so much for your time that you've used with us today. We do hope to call you again because we still need to 
dig out some more things from the great resource and mind that you are. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for all those who joined us for the first time today. We hope you like, you follow, you share our program and what we are doing. And if there's anything, any kind of persons you want us to bring up to this program, just DM us if perhaps you have someone in mind or DM us. We'll look for that person and we'll ask the person the questions you've been wanting to ask free of charge and you get to listen to it. Thank you everyone again. We do hope you have a lovely weekend and to come your way again next week. We say bye for now on Kadamata's Church Against Domestic Abuse. God bless you. Thank you so much for having here. Thank you everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, people. We hope you enjoyed and learnt from today's session. Till we come your way again, remember, God hates abuse. There is no excuse for abuse. The church, which is you and I, say no to domestic abuse. <laughs>